<laughs> and then I said, if you touch me again, I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> oh, oh, the queen must have been terribly amused. <laughs> yes, she was. Welcome. Um, hello, Christopher. <laughs> hello, Matstopher. We are separated by distance and time. Well, we are. not that much time. But well, yeah. I mean, we exist in the same time still. Yes, we're still in the same time zone. Um, yes, well, are we? You're not on Lincoln Standard Time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're completely the savages out here. They don't know. They've got sundials and everything. Oh um, dear! But you're yes. operating in pantomime. I, believe. I am. Yes, I'm. Um, I'll get my plug in. I'm. Uh, I'm, I'm performing the role of Buttons in uh, the new theatre role's production of Cinderella right now in Lincoln from December. 5th to January the 8th. So get your asses to Lincoln if you can. Come watch me. And um, you know, buy me a beer afterwards. Yeah. Get your buttocks <laughs> down to see buttons. <laughs> I or see you what you did there. <laughs> butt off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but, no, but don't. don't. Do, do, do come. Do come. Do come. They've do. only sold three tickets. <laughs> it's because we're such an archaic village. <laughs> So it's only a two-seat theatre. That's really impressive. Yeah. Um, it's theatre in the round as well. It's just, it's just oh. one seat on either side of the room. <laughs> You're just playing piggy in the middle. Um, <laughs> oh god! No, but I'm well. I'm 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 well jealous, Christopher. That you're doing pantomime. I hope it's. Uh, yeah, I hope that goes really well for you, man. I'm going to try and get cut down and see you. Mm. Uh, but in the meantime, the, we're going to be doing the big damn cast yes. remotely. Yes, by so, Jiminy Greaves. If there's any weird sound things with this episode, it's because we're doing it over uh, the internet. And well, then yeah. ed- 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 editing it together after the fact. I can't speak. That's uh, You got out of the room and I can't speak. <laughs> um, it's because you're not gazing lovingly into my eyes. No, um, no. Oh, oh hang on, there's a, weird sound, there's a weird sound thing there. Oh, oh. Wh- oh no, what's it's just, that? It's just me tea. Oh. <laughs> I'm having a stinky <laughs> microwave curry. Mmm, you a hungry boy. Mmm. Oh. Yes. Yes, sir. I am the little hungry food boy. Mm. <laughs> well, <laughs> why don't needs... you sit there, yeah. stuff in your mouth, while I feed you some news, all right? Oh, yeah. I'll make room for some news-flavoured dessert holes. Okay, so, because uh, you, you've been away doing pantomime, the last couple of episodes have been a bit out of sequence, so we haven't had a chance to catch up on a couple of things. Uh, but this week, I picked up a choice... Oh. Of uh, a choice pick of news articles to get into, so we have got, uh, we have got first of all. Oh I oh I. So the Inhumans is no longer a mover. We know this. We've talked about this briefly. Oh I. It's We're now. The it's now an a, a TV show on ABC on yes. <laughs> Um, it's going to be eight episodes. Oh, so it's a small run, like um, Agent yeah. Carter. Okay. Yeah. And they're already looking for a second series. Oh. And it is going to premiere on ABC on Tuesday, September the 26th, 2017. Okay. So they've got a big game plan set in place then. Yep. Um, oh, sorry. My internet browser is making noise. Go away. Go away. <laughs> go away. There we go. Um, um, Goddamn internet making... Oh, shut up, shut up, shut up. Go away. <laughs> Damn it. Oh. Darn you, internet. I just want to read this article. Um, <laughs> don't want to watch your stupid video. Uh, 
Okay, so, um, but on top of that, on top of the ABC premiere, they're actually putting together the first two episodes as one IMAX presentation. Oh, snap! 80-minute IMAX mini-movie. The first two episodes are going to be entirely shot on IMAX, and it's going to screen in a thousand IMAX theaters across 74 countries. Um, And I believe they're doing that at the start of September, but it hasn't got a date here. Um, But yeah, so it's... Not only is it being... uh, Oh yeah, on or around September 1st and running for two weeks, at least in the States, so I don't know when it'll come over here, but... That's what's happening within humans. It's premiering in IMAX and then uh, it's going to be on TV. That's kind of genius. That. that is kind of genius. Based solely on the fact some people were like, what is this in humans movie? Like, I don't know much yeah. about them. Oh, it's not going to be a movie. Oh, never mind. Oh, wait. Yeah. You've got two weeks to see it in the cinema. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's all right. That's okay. And if the episodes are being shot on IMAX, it sort of speaks volumes as to how, what the quality of effects and set pieces they're planning for those first two episodes then, that they'd be IMAX worthy. Yeah. Yeah, so it it it's Bla- bodes it, well for the production quality. It'll be which Black is Bolt doing karaoke. That, yeah, oh, oh god, <laughs> they have to do that in um in four D, in what do we call it? Um, the shaky seats, D box. They have to do that in D box. Yeah. Just uh, he starts singing Mandy, and then everything trembles. <laughs> have everyone's beard glasses shatter at the same same moment, it, including my knees. <laughs> um, so that's exciting. But you know what's even more exciting? Um, breasts. And I use and I use more in the sense to mean less. <laughs> um, that's the Power Rangers movie. Oh, see, I'm I'm still kind of pumped, but you're know, way more optimistic your... about this than I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm even less optimistic about it now because the concept art out has come out for Alpha Five. Ay ay ay. He's voiced oh, wait, by Bill. He- he's that- voiced by Bill Hader. Wait, wait, was that Alpha Five or Johnny Five? That was. I, that was definitely um, Alpha Five because Johnny aye, Five aye, was. Zordon. Johnny Five is alive. <laughs> Stephanie, um, disassemble Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, oh, the eighties. <laughs> oh, they were so great, weren't they? Um, I wasn't even there, and I still know they were great. No. uh... We've got concept art, and I'm going to share my screen with you so you can see this concept art now. Oh, lovely. Let's... I've, I've seen it, and I want to get your reaction. Oh, gosh. Oh, my giddy I, aunt. I want you to know... Your pain. <laughs> I want you to know my pain. Oh, guys, I can see a little swirling loading logo, and I'm dreading Are it. Are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> Hit me with it, boy. What? <laughs> Christopher, in... In as in as few words as possible, can you describe to me what you're seeing on your screen right now? It's like an MIB ship fucked Abe from Abe's Odyssey. It's horrible. Yeah, it's nasty, isn't it? I, I mean, I mean, right. Okay. To to be fair, he now looks alien and not like a dude in a suit with a saucer for a well, head. But yeah, oh he wow! He, he, but he doesn't look like adorable. Mm. Or... No friendly <laughs> it's like a metal monkey stood upright but instead of fur he's got gray transformer sort of robot limbs with red bits stuck to it and he's got the tail end of a comedy spaceship for a head it's really not good <laughs> it's not a good design i'd have to see um, that emotion really i guess but 
even so, like it, it, its limbs look dainty at the end. So I'm, I'm assuming it's probably going to be climbing around the ship, probably. No, I think I think because it's got that sort of belly, it's going to sort of waddle around in a really clumsy fashion. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's that's probably what's going to happen. Oh, that's so uh, odd. So that's horrible. <clears throat> um, but but he's being played by one half of BB-8, so. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't, I, I mean, I'm not saying Bill Hader would do anything for a paycheck, but I haven't seen evidence as yet that Bill Hader will do anything for a paycheck. So I'm hoping that he's not just done this for a paycheck and that there's an interesting character to play because visually, that's kind of scary looking. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I get they're wanting to, <clears throat> well, this is just infer- what I'm inferring from what I've seen of the movie so far, but I get that they want to, uh, uh, make it more mature, but it just seems a bit grim and gritty for the sake of being grim and gritty, which I've already talked about as being a <clears throat> as a, a downside. A sort of, yeah. yeah, downside to a lot of like modern revivals of franchises. I mean, just look at Transformers. Mm. Um, my feelings on that are well known, and I will expound be expounding on them in the future. But um, <laughs> yeah, Matthew's grievances transform. <laughs> I roll have up. them. Transform and roll out of my mouth like a verbal ass- assault on your shitty, shitty movies. Like a river made um, of bile. I still need to get around to watching Age of Extinction on Netflix so I can take a bit of shit on it. Yeah. Oh I need gosh. To do that. I mean, I- I'm so optimistic. I can't help it. I think it's, I think it's the fact that, um, I've always enjoyed that concept, but it is it is very difficult to go back and watch once you're beyond the age of ten. And Speak not, for yourself, and not sort of roll your eyes. <laughs> okay, well, I, I know you can enjoy a box set in Power Rangers morning, but I don't know. I just, <clears throat> I sort of, I look back at it fondly, but it is one of those that when I'm talking to people about it, they're like, "Really? I'm like, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, it really? was awesome." And and I just, I, I, I'm getting the same kind of vibe, although not with as much confidence as like 2005 Doctor Who, where I was like, "Oh, I hope this is really good," because some people will will get why I like it. So I hope Power Rangers has enough of the magic and camp of the original in it that people sort of go, that was goofy, but kind of cool. I'm like, Christopher, yeah. if you think this is going to be anything near as good as the 2005 Doctor Who revival, you're bonkers. Oh, nothing. I really, ho- I really hope you're right, <laughs> but you're bonkers. <laughs> absolutely bonkers. Yeah, absolutely bonkers. bonkers. <laughs> um, all, all you need to make, I, I guarantee, all you need to see to make you go, do you know what, I'll give it a chance, is if one of the trailers ended with a little tag, where basically you just saw two weird-looking bully characters strolling down the corridor with, oh. the, dramatic, with the dramatic music going, yeah, if Bulk and Skull aren't in it, no fucking dice. I'm not watching it. I've got this horrible feeling what will happen with that. I, I, this is the one thing where I'm like, yeah, they're not going to do it. I don't think Bulk and Skull will be in it, but I think one of the bullies, one of them will call him, like, the Incredible Bulk. Like, someone will diss him like that, and another one will have, like, a skull on his t-shirt, and that'll be them going, see? That's that's Bulk and Skull, guys. Huh? Do you like it? No. No, I don't. <laughs> Just cast the original guys and pretend that they've been held back in high school for 20 years. No deal. No deal, not doing it. I met them at a Comic-Con, they were really cool. <laughs> well, the guy who plays Bulk, he's been in it. He keeps coming back. As Bulk? As that character. 
Yeah, as oh, that shit. character. Like, and has taken... I think he get, ends up being a police officer or something like that. And then ends up teaching one of the um, power rangers of the later series or something. Uh, I, uh, my knowledge of the of the franchise post Mighty Morphin is limited to say the least, but I I, I believe I've come across that little bit of information. Because I, I know that the actor who plays Skull is like an acting teacher, like yeah, so yeah, so yeah. of his his career has has gone into teaching. But the two of them occasionally do conventions together. And the one I was at, it was in London Film and Comic Con. They were on separate tables, like you know, separate parts of the bench, and they just sat that because they basically turned to the staff and went. Yeah, if someone's going to come meet one of us, they're going to meet both of us. So let's just save them time and money. And they they moved all the ropes and everything and made them into one queue area. And As just well put their two prices together. I was like, there you go. Makes it easier. They were just bantering with everybody. They were absolutely brilliant. That's awesome. I always like it when people are cool. And they're giddy little beans. Giddy yeah. little beans. Giddy little beans. You know, I, I got as far, I think, with Power Rangers. I think I got as far as Turbo. And then I dipped into... Power Rangers in space because my younger brother was watching it at that point. So, so I You're dipped a- into Power Rangers in space. Uh, also, don't forget I'm a little older than you, so I was I sort of aged out of it a bit before you did. How dare um, you? What you need is a gritty reboot. That is what exactly what I need now. I to 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 um to satisfy my nostalgia needs. What I need is a gritty reboot that doesn't keep any of the good stuff I used to love about it when I was a kid. That's exactly what I need. Um, I just, I'm not... still counting down to a Beetleborgs movie. <laughs> oh, God. I hope not. But, There's um... a ghost and a genie thing and it's living inside a house with Dracula and the wolf Beetleborgs. Oh, oh, and also, um, uh, robots. <laughs> evil robots. Um, one that sounds like uh, Joe Pesci. And one that sounds like an evil Russian woman. Uh, for no reason. Um, big bad what the fuck don't don't I'm, I'm getting a brain hemorrhage already um, so you know what else I'm nostalgic about breasts you need to stop bringing up breasts in the conversation Never. they have their place and it's not here um, <laughs> alien oh. and, and aliens what <laughs> What? However, um, <laughs> however, Prometheus left something of a sour taste in my mouth, as I think it did some other people. As I think it did um, that man who was squirted by the alien penis thing. In the movie. Oh, um, no, it was just a bad movie. Uh, well, yeah, I know. I need to rewatch that movie. I think I might have changed my opinion on it over time. I'll, I'll tell you I this. Will... I, I, re- I, recently, I watched this recently, it was about a year ago, and I, it, visually, it's very impressive. Oh, it's always, yeah, it's visually stunning. Atmosphere. No doubt about that. Atmosphere is incredible, but it's a terrible script and a non-coherent story. It's just, there's no reason for the story that it's it's trying to tell us, really. Yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) I mean, a biologist, an alien biologist goes to another world, finds a decapitated corpse of a species he's never seen before, and is like, nope, fuck this, I'm going home. It's like, um, no, do your job and study... The yeah, dead is no longer a threat alien. It is a script in which the the story and the events that transpire within it is predicated on all these people who are supposed to be the best in their field, hence being selected for this secret mission, um, all being terrible at their jobs. All being incompetent. 
idiots, basically. Yeah, basically. Um, um, but and also, it, also, it hinges on the alien trope of the alien of the robot character might be evil. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, which has become. I say it's become tradition, but it hasn't really because it's only the first one that that's true in. Although I guess it was in return to that original alien. It's kind of they're kind of going for that feel rather than like the feel of aliens. Oh yeah, or... yeah but but even in aliens, like a lot of aliens, a lot of Ripley's relationship with Bishop is based on her not trusting him because of Ash. Yeah, exactly. And and in Alien Resurrection, you find out that like robots and stuff are sort of disregarded and, and thought of as horrible malfunction, you know, malfunction troublemakers. Because um, like when you find out that Winona Ryder's character is a, a robot, they're like, what? Do you know what I mean? Like it's, everyone's sort of prejudiced, so it's sort of it's like the whole world is based around these things are bad. It's like yeah, we, yeah. We only ever saw one bad one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Unless you've played Alien Isolation, in which case you've also met the Working Joes. Oh God, um, you which always know a Working Joe. Um, there's so there's a poster out for Alien Covenant now, which is the sequel to Prometheus. They decided to ditch the uh, Prometheus name which they originally gone with. I think they were going to call it Prometheus Paradise Lost or something yes, like that. Yes, yeah. Um, and Prome- gone Prometheus' back to the original world. title was uh, Paradise. Oh, and, par- and then, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then the follow-up was going to be called Paradise Lost, um, but they changed it to Prometheus, and then they were like, oh, we'll call it Prometheus Paradise Lost, and then it was going to be called Alien um, something else. It was going to be called like Alien uh, Legacy or something like that, and then they've gone, no, Alien Covenant. Which apparently, from a bit of information dribbled out this week, uh, is the name of the ship featured in the film. So they're sticking with the Prometheus thing of it being named after the ship. Okay, that makes kind of sense. But that's not the only thing from this week. Oh, oh no! <laughs> um, we got a lovely poster. Of it is nice, isn't it? What appears to be <clears throat> a straight up, no, uh, no, backwards sort of retro design. This is what is the progenitor to this thing. Weird goblin shark bullshit. Uh, <laughs> what appears to be a straight up actual xenomorph with the uh, with the wonderful tagline of "Run." Oh, that's so good. Um, yeah, it's a pretty cool poster, that's and hopefully, so good. <laughs> hopefully, the marketing machine is uh, not gonna. Uh, well, the thing with Prometheus is the marketing was fucking stellar. Like, the trailers mm. for that movie made it look amazing. Uh, yeah. And it really it really leveraged the connection to the original Alien, which mm. then the uh, the movie actually didn't at all. Yeah. Um, so, um, hopefully they're not going to be as uh, cynical, I suppose. What, what the fuck am I saying? Ho- the, hopefully the marketing is not going to be as cynical. Of course it fucking is. It's marketing. But um, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they're gonna be a bit more um, straightforward with it rather than couching it in uh, uh, teasing. Although it's a it's a fairly teasery teaser poster as posters go. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, it could be okay. It could be okay. It could be good. Even it could also be terrible. But we're not gonna know till it comes out. Uh, I'm. Uh, <clears throat> I'm, 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 sort of, I'm reserving judgment till the first trailer. Yeah, I want to see a trailer before I get excited, but the, the fact that they just used the Xenomorph for the teaser poster is enough to make me go, 
whether it's crap or whether it's amazing, either way, I'm kind of delighted that we're going to see a Xenomorph in a film. Yeah, I'm, I'm up for it. Especially if it's a dude in a suit and not just CGI. Yeah, alien. well, da- Danny McBride's playing a character in the movie and he's, he said in an interview that like filming scenes with a guy pounding down a corridor after them in this suit like oh, it's, quite, awesome. it's gonna it's yeah. gonna haunt cool, him cool. forever and it's like oh that's okay. great that's great that's great yeah. news that's that's encouraging <clears throat> that's encouraging stuff um because you know even oh, i can't believe i'm gonna say this there's even some redeeming moments in avp requiem because of the uh, the practical effects oh god that really hurts mm. to say but yeah that's a fucking dog <laughs> shit movie but there's some actually quite nice effects moments in that movie um so it's always fun when we see a, a practical yeah it's, i mean they're alien. just nice to see i wonder which company's working on this one actually because um adr uh, adi even amalgamated dynamics incorporated took over the um they took over the uh, effects on those movies for a while yeah uh, on the alien and the predator films um but then with predators it was a different company Prometheus was a different company, so I don't know who I don't know whose hands it's in now. If they really but, want to uh, go back to you know it looking proper alien, then you need to go back to Alec Gillis and Tom Woodruff Jr. So you need to go back to ADI. But yeah. you know maybe maybe someone else has cracked the code. But they you know they've always done even though they've done it for some bad films, they've always done solid work with those oh, yeah. uh, creatures. So you know I kind of I kind of associate it with them. I own the effects kind of books. I, I own both the special effects and, and, and animatronics uh, guidebooks for a- Alien vs. Predator and AVP Requiem because I just thought the work on that alone was so stellar that I was like, if I'm never going to enjoy these movies ever, really, because I they're can both still dog read shit. these books and go, <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of forgive AVP as a popcorn flick, weirdly. I sort of, I, I, over time, I've kind of mellowed to that one a bit. Okay. I mean, you're wrong, but okay. Oh, I'm always wrong. But... <laughs> yeah, you're wrong about that, but all right. <laughs> I'm always wrong. <laughs> but I've sort of mellowed to that one a bit over time, and um, it's not a good movie. But there's enough in it to Damn make right, me smile. Like when when uh, when the the scar predator or whatever the main one's called uh, chucks. Oh no, the Celtic predator chucks the alien around by its tail. I do kind of dig that shot. It's so stupid, um, and, and I do really, really like. Stupid. I like I like the fight with the queen at the end because they, yeah. they make the smart decision of of keeping her in the snow, so you never really see it. Um, sort of, it, you don't see the cracks in the CGI queen. Um, yeah, and they, guess, and, they u- and they use enough of a practical queen in the shots that you go like, okay, my brain is saying that that is the same thing. It's it's, it's some really nice, and I like the fact the predators because the predator is sort of a hero character in it. That main one, they ch- they tweak the design so he's got sort of like a stronger jaw and more of a superhero physique and stuff like that. Just these little changes. Yeah, I guess. Um, I guess. To, to make you go, okay, he he is good guy? Question mark. Um, he is good. He are good and um bugger. Um, but yeah, I just I just want to see it. Uh, Numi Rapace has filmed a couple of scenes for it apparently. Oh right, so she is coming back. <clears throat> yeah, but not as a main character. And uh, but Michael Fassbender is playing um, David and another android, I believe, called something like George or something. Um, so he's playing two androids in it. Oh, so they're skipping a letter? Uh, maybe? I don't know, I might be wrong. I don't it, know. It, it, technically, it, following the uh, <clears throat> following the Android naming convention of Alien movies, it should technically start with an E. 
<clears throat> oh, of course. Ah, but it's a prequel. Yeah, but so was Prometheus. God damn it. <laughs> Ash, Bishop, Call, David. Oh, so it might be Edward, probably. Possibly. <clears throat> or maybe it's another David. Because it's, it, it's not that he is David, the model is David. Yes. Oh, but it might be a more refined model. They might have tweaked it in the two or three years since the, uh, they set off for that journey. That's true. That's true. They refined it by calling him Eddie. <laughs> but but Christopher. Yes? <laughs> Alien is not the only sta- uh, um, sci-fi franchise on our horizon. Finger my fan. What? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? You've gone very quiet, Christopher. Have you moved away from the microphone? My, it's my filthy, filthy, filthy. Oh, okay. Really, oh, yeah, I can see that. Hang on. Yeah, my mic's gone. Hello, I'm back. That was weird. Hey, excellent. Yeah, I can hear that you. That was very now. strange. I think um, my mic. I think my mic self-censored me for the filthy things I was saying. Yes, probably. Um, but <laughs> now that you're back, let's go on a journey. <gasps> a, tr- a trek, you might say. Oh, I. A Star Trek. Oh, I. <laughs> and what will we discover there? Who knows? That's why it's called Star Trek Discovery. Um, the first, <laughs> the first three cast members of Star Trek Discovery have been officially announced, and this also comes in the wake of um, Brian Fuller departing as showrunner. Aye, but the first cast members have been announced. So, um, who have we got coming? We've got Doug Jones coming to Star Trek. Oh, for real. Yeah, and he's playing an alien Starfleet science officer. <clears throat> oh, because of course they're going to cast Doug Jones to play the handsome leading man with no prosthetics. Exactly. They're just going to cast <laughs> Doug Jones as an alien because that's what they do with Doug Jones. Um, apparently he's playing Lute- <laughs> Lieutenant Saru, um, who's a member of an unseen alien race and is a Starfleet science officer. Um, we've also got Michelle Gio, which was rumoured last week, has now been confirmed, um, who's, you know, from Crouching Saga Hidden Dragon. Yeah. Um, she's playing Captain Georgiou, of the USS Shenzhou. Oh, okay. Um, Lots of so big words. She's, so she's not the captain of the Discovery, which was the rumour. But she is a captain. Okay, so they're doubling up on captain duties, perhaps. Oh, she's just, it might be, only be a guest star, or who knows. Um, and finally, and uh, last but not least, uh, Anthony Rapp, who's uh, primarily a Broadway actor. He's... he's uh, Got a lot of uh, buzz for his work in Rent. Um, he's going to play Lieutenant Stamets, who's another science officer on the Discovery. Yeah. Apparently, he specialises in the study of extraterrestrial fungus. So he's basically Space Egon. Um, <laughs> and also, apparently, the first officially gay character in a Star Trek TV series. Okay. All so right. Okay. That's pretty cool. Um, so we've I got like cast what? members, but we've got no showrunner. So. Hey, hey! That's Star Trek Discovery. That's coming in May 2017. How are we feeling about Star Trek Discovery, Chris? I'm just excited because they have confirmed, haven't they, that it's it's set in the original canon. Yeah, it's, ori- it's original timeline. I think that that alone makes me excited to see what stories they're going to tell because I know that it's it's part of a world that we've already spent so much time in. I just I'm think like, it's going to okay. be nice to see Star Trek again. Yes. Like on TV. <laughs> it's just, it's just going to be such a nice, like... It's going to feel really welcome, I feel, isn't it? It's just going to be like, yeah. oh, here it is again, hello. Because I've been dipping into um, uh, Next Generation a bit more recently, and uh, quite, uh, yeah, it's a good show. I like Star Trek. It's a good show. 
Star it's a, it's, Trek. It's a bit of a nicer and fluffier universe than uh, a lot of sci-fi out there, particularly at the moment. So it's uh, it's it's nice to revisit. I oh, think. man. Oh, um, man. It's just a shame they couldn't have timed it or at least been greenlit soon enough to, to bring out it on the 50th anniversary. Yeah, really. that's a real... That's a real missed opportunity, I feel. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, at least they're getting something back out on TV rather than just focusing on the movie franchise. Because um, I think that was kind of a mistake they made of going, oh, we're just going to make movies now. And we're going to go back to the original Enterprise crew, but we're not going to be able to follow in on adventures because we've got to make got to take three years to make one of these fucking movies. <laughs> we're probably only going to get three out of the main cast because they're not going to want to do more than three movies because that's fucking nine years' work. People will um, age. Da, 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 old man. Exactly. Da, da, um, da, do Star Trek again. <laughs> <laughs> Stop writing songs on the podcast. That's what it's for. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. So, <laughs> uh, but from Star Trek to Star Fights. Sorry, Star Wars. Um, <laughs> yes. I mean, you're not wrong. It's fights in in the stars. So space space fights. Um, <laughs> so there's a rumor going round. I think it's originated over at, Shla- at Slash Film um, that the reason that Obi Wan Kenobi hasn't had his um, uh, his uh, uh, sort of standalone movie announced yet, which is one that everyone kind of wants, and I think yeah. one that. Uh, Ewan McGregor's mentioned that he's not like campaigning for it, but he's uh, he's he would he's actively open, he's participate it, in yeah. it if that yeah. yeah if they turn around and said we want to do it he'd go when do you want me like yeah I, I think I think he's he's, he's said that he's, he's open to that possibility. Um, uh, there's been some rumors going around from various sources that Lucasfilm are delaying a solo film. Which would theoretically take place between episode three and episode four, which would also fit in with the stuff that they're doing in the Star Wars comic. Uh, that's ongoing from Marvel of having him, having Luke read his journals from when he was on Tatooine. So you're seeing little adventures of Obi Wan on Tatooine in between three and four. Yeah. Um, uh, that they're delaying that because he might end up appearing in episode eight or nine. Oh. Um, possibly uh-huh. having some connection to Ray, which is a popular fan theory that's gone around that he's got some sort of familial connection to Ray. But I just think it's a bit. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy it. But there's some. I think a lot of time is being wasted uh, in terms of fan theorizing on who Ray's parents are. Uh, like it's something they'll get to. But yeah, we're gonna I, find out. Yeah, they'll, possibly they'll, they'll, next year. Yeah, we'll find out, or we'll, or it'll be hinted enough for us to go. Okay, fair enough. But, um, because I mean, there's been a big theory lately. Um, my brother sent me an episode of Film Theory as well to see what I thought of it. I thought it was a bit shit, really. There's a big film theory. <laughs> Oh, he sent yeah. me an episode of this thing, and I thought it was a bit shit. So uh, yeah, yeah, hell, pretty much. Yeah, it, it's it's because I'm sick of the way they freaking set them up now more than anything. But um, 25 minutes of nothing really sort of concrete or interesting, and then the interesting point in the last two minutes. But sucker, you've already watched 25 minutes of ads. Jesus um, Christ, that sounds like one of our podcasts. <laughs> it's the model we all strive for. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's um, it, one of the theories doing the rounds uh, is that the cast of Rogue One become the Knights of Ren. Oh yeah, so, I've yeah. I've also been exposed to that particular fan theory. I just think it's such a reach. Yeah, it's like so what you're saying is all those characters in Rogue One 
as 60 or 70 year olds are still bandying around taking orders from a stroppy teenager with a lightsaber. Yeah, what? yeah, that's, I'm gonna, um, I buy that, I buy that for a dollar. But, but the other theories so... are, well, the other theories are that Felicity Jones's character, Jin Erso, is Ray's mum because she's white and also British. It's like, no. It's like, right, so. No, that's not the case. <laughs> These films exist um, separate. Unless this Obi-Wan thing turns out to be true. In which case, they're separate enough, but they obviously want to they want to save the reveal of McGregor for an episode before going, and here's an Obi-Wan movie. Yes. Would it be McGregor yes. then, if he appeared, I suppose? It yeah. It would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. Because he's, he's pretty much the right age to play an older Obi-Wan now. Because he's what, been what? He hides out on Tatooine for 20 years, and it's been 13 years since episode 3. Oh my so. god. What, wait, 13... Oh no, it's been, it's been 11 since episode 3. Oh my god. Oh yeah, episode 3 That's episode 2, 2005, yeah. sorry. Yeah, I, had yeah. a tiny heart, I had a tiny heart attack then for a no. second. I was like, it's been oh 11 my years, god. So. Yeah, he'd be the perfect age. Um, <laughs> I'm sat here on this airplane called Life. We've just taken off from the runway. I've just clasped my hands to the sides of my face and gone, Kevin! Um, so. <laughs> oh, it's December 1st tomorrow when we're recording this. I'll yeah. be able to get Christmas here. I'll finally get Christmas here and watch Home Alone every day for the next 26 days. Um, <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. Oh, Christmas um, traditions. Oh, Christmas traditions. Every single day, Christopher. <laughs> Sometimes twice. Um, but the One idea needs that... to see Joe Pesci being tortured by a child. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, so the uh, the assertion that Rogue One is a standalone movie and uh, is emboldened by uh, uh, Lucasfilm's chief creative officer John Knoll and director Gareth Edwards backing up Kathleen Kennedy in saying that there is not going to be any sequel to Rogue One. Edwards even joking that. Um, any sequels to Rogue One will be directed by George Lucas because it would be a new hope. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and of course, then there's also the fan speculation that none of these characters are going to survive the movie, which is entirely possible and probably pretty interesting um, as a plot point. So it ain't going to get a sequel, no matter well how well it does at the box office, which is apparently already going to be pretty well because when the tickets went on sale... <laughs> the ticket site Fandango basically went down because so many people were trying to get pre-sale tickets for it. Bloody hell. Uh, so it's it's doing well in pre-sales already. Many, many Bothans died to bring them these tickets. Yeah, exactly. No, that's <laughs> Jedi, Christopher. That's the second Death Star. <laughs> Stop it. Hand in your Star Wars fan card at the door. Wait, hang on. How many Death Stars have we got now? <laughs> No, Starkiller Base isn't another Death Star. It's it's way bigger. They way built big. a they built a bigger one. <laughs> That's definitely bigger than the last one. Hey, that was in Star Wars, it's right? Definitely... That Star Wars film set on Earth with Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Oh dear Lord. <laughs> ah, ah. <laughs> um. Also on the subject of Star Wars, and also on the subject of Kathleen Kennedy. She's basically the boss over at Lucasfilm, for anyone who doesn't know. Um, she's she's the emperor. <laughs> yeah, she's the Palpatine of Lucasfilm. Um, <laughs> she's turned round and... But she's been asked about uh, when they're going to get 
you know, some female directors for Star Wars projects. And she's mentioned that there's been difficulty in finding female filmmakers with the right experience. Mm. The exact quote being, we want to make sure that when we bring a female director in to do Star Wars, they're set up for success. They're gigantic films, and you can't come into them with essentially no experience. So, okay. <clears throat> Lots of mixed feelings from that. Remind me who's directing Rogue One. Gareth Edwards. And remind me what he did before Rogue One. Uh, Godzilla. What did he do before Godzilla? Monsters. What did he do before that? Nothing. Remind <laughs> me who's directing episode nine. Uh, oh, uh, Colin Trevorrow. And what did he do before episode nine? Uh, Jurassic World. And what did he do before Jurassic World? Nothing. Uh, he did a indie time travel movie called Safety Not Guaranteed. Oh, right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Who's directing Kong Skull Island? Uh, I don't know. Who's directing Kong Skull Island? Exactly. Um, <laughs> Jordan Vot Roberts. How many films has he directed before? Uh... One. <laughs> Coming of age indie comedy, Kings of Summer. Which is very good, but, you know. How many how many movies has John Watts be- done before he started doing Spider-Man Homecoming? Uh, one, Clown. Uh, two, well, Clown and Cop Car. Uh, oh yes, aye. Okay. But what's the common what's the common factor with all these directors? Uh, I don't know their filmographies very well. <laughs> no, but also they're newbies to the world. They're their new uh, talent, and they're all fucking men. Yep. So what this is this essentially is... saying is we don't have enough female directors with experience. Well, technically, all your male directors aren't that experienced either. So what's your excuse? I mean, there Find is someone to... with a voice and a style. <laughs> there is something to be said. Mental. Um, in as playing devil's advocate, that the least experienced the direct director they've <clears> ever <throat> hired for a Star Wars movie is Josh Trank, and that kind yeah. of imploded and fucking backfired on yeah. them. Um, yeah. but that's. I don't think that's because he was inexperienced. I think that's because he's Josh Trank. Um, so. <coughs> It just it just seems Josh like trashes his hotel room trunk. Yeah. There's just this massive double standard of not letting women get their hands on movies because they're not experienced and then handing the fucking reins to big franchises or big blockbusters to male directors who have fuck all experience. I mean when Seth Graham Smith was directing The Flash before he left the project, that was his first feature film. My god. <laughs> And then when they got Ryan Fukuyama to replace him, he'd only done two indies before that. Flipping so, egg. like... There's no excuses, basically. There, there not are really no the, excuses. It's not really the case. And she's... And, you know, she is saying that... Um, that they're going to do... Um, they're going to do a Star Wars movie with a female director, but... Like, get get it done. Just get it done. Yeah. I mean, I know Marvel, Marvel have been caught in... They courted Ava DuVernay for Black Panther, which she isn't doing. They're getting Ryan Coogler to do it instead. She turned it down. Um, but she's about to become the first black woman in history to direct a $100 million movie because she's, uh, she's doing a wrinkle in time for Disney. Hmm. So, you know, what's the... What is the... Uh, is, the is, is, is the hold is the holdback for these female directors other than the fact that they're women? 
because well, I was, well, was going to say like again, sort of sticking in devil's advocate. Part of me when she read and you read that quote was like, is she saying she hasn't found a director who is female who has sort of the background and, and experience necessary to direct this sort of thing? But like you said, that's immediately contradicted by the fact that all the directors of the recent stuff, apart from say J.J. Abrams, are newbies to the world of film. Like this is like they're either their second or third movie. But yeah, not just that. I mean, not just that. Even, if you like, there's not there's not enough female directors of note in this genre. Well, guess what? Why don't you make one? It's like we said the the, uh, <laughs> the uh, on uh, the podcast before last with uh, Go, uh, Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, uh, is, is Hollywood going? Oh well, there's no uh, Asian Asian stars that can play this female Asian lead in this movie, so we're going to make it Scarlett Johansson. Well, if there's no Asian female stars, then take a fucking risk and make one. Like, yeah. cast cast an unknown or cast someone who only does has only really done a lot of TV. Like, there are people out there who can do this, and you're willing to take a chance on them when they're a man, but when they're a woman, you won't touch them. Yeah. I mean, look it's at George just, Lucas as well. What were George Lucas's two films before Star Wars? It was uh, THX... Uh, THX 1138, which was a expanded version of his of his uh, film school project. Yeah. And American Graffiti, which was like a 50s uh, teen movie. Yeah. Not not made in the 50s, obviously, but it's set yeah. in the 50s. But but neither um, of those movies were fairy tale family sci-fi pictures. Oh, God, no. Oh god! Um, to be fair, there was resistance to George Lucas getting Star Wars made. It was difficult for him to get it made, but uh, but he's it, he's already broke that barrier. The fact we're still not breaking the barrier of getting female directors to work on genre movies and making them like it's sort just, of names in the field is is mental. It's just symptomatic of the wider institutionalized sexism within the film industry of there not being enough female directors but with that sprinkle of added depression because it's come from the mouth of kathleen kennedy yeah exactly like she you're a woman in a position of power in the film industry why are you not opening up uh, that opportunities to more women don't say it's because they're not experienced enough because look at who you've got i mean even ryan johnson who's doing um episode eight he's done looper and he's done brick and I think one other feature, and then a bunch of TV stuff. Like he's done great movies. Don't get me wrong, but you know you can't call him massively experienced in blockbusters. Because I wouldn't call Looper a blockbuster, even though it was a, a high concept sci-fi movie and a decent budget, clearly, and a good <coughs> cast. I don't think it was a blockbuster. Oh no, no, no. Um, so both of them were yeah. weird little, weird little sort of noir movies with just odd premises. Like, like stop. Yeah. Stop bullshitting about there not being enough women out there in the industry, either as performers or directors or whatever, and just fucking hire a woman. There are plenty of female directors on TV that are doing great work. Just get it done. Just fucking hire someone. Take a chance on someone. Because you're taking chance on male directors all the time. Colin Trevorrow, man. Like, he's directed episode nine. Jurassic World was not great. And, like, it certainly didn't show a particular direct directorial flair. Like, at least with that hiring of Ryan Johnson, you're hiring someone who's shown a flair for directing. Yeah, and a voice. style. Yeah. But, um, I mean, look at Brick and Looper. Brick's not kind... Brick's very stylish and noir And Looper has... Uh, it's great intricacy of storyline, great visual storytelling. And he clearly has an understanding of sci-fi concepts. But you get none of that from Colin Trevorrow's work. Well, not in Jurassic World. I haven't seen Safety Not Guaranteed, so How maybe dare I'm talking you? out of turn. How dare you, but... sir? Jurassic World, he proves that he is science fiction savvy. He voices Mr. DNA. Oh, excellent. There we go. But um, Wrongly. Yes, don't... Well, it sounds nothing like the original one, but he voices him by Jingo. 
But don't put Colin Trevorrow in charge of episode nine, which is one of the biggest movies on your slate, and then turn around and say there's no female director's experience enough to take on a Star Wars anthology movie. It's bullshit. Get your act together, Star Wars. But anyway, that's my two cents on the matter. <laughs> um, before we go into questions, Chris, I just need to share <clears throat> some really important information with you. Oh, yes. Um, I've not done anything this week. Oh. I've not done anything in the last week. Uh, oh, not not, um, not you're not eaten. No, I've you're not, not eaten. I've not slept. I've not gone to work. I've not been to the toilet. Oh, I've not drank. I'm uh, dying of thirst. Oh, that's do you know why? Why? Because Pokemon Sun and Moon came out. Oh, baby, you don't need any of that food shit. You're uh, getting your that, nourishment for the mind. That's all I've been doing. <laughs> that's all I've been doing. So which it's, one? Which one did you get? I picked up Pokemon Moon, um, which is unique, apart from the usual um, version differences you get in Pokemon games, where you can only catch certain Pokemon in certain games, Vice and and all that stuff. Uh, Pokemon Moon is also unique in that it takes place 12 hours ahead. So when you're playing Pokemon Sun, the time in the game is the same time as on your DS clock. When you're playing Pokemon Moon, it's 12 hours time shifted, so it's night during the day and day during the night. Okay, alright. Um, so, and you find, it's you find in... a lot of dark poison bug type Pokemon in your game then. Oh, there's some lovely, uh, there's some lovely new Pokemon that, that come out at night. Um, it, uh, yeah, it's set in the Alola region, which is basically Hawaii. Um, it's Pokemon Hawaii. Uh, it's a set of four islands, and you you've just moved there from Kanto, which is the region in the original Pokemon game, so it's a bit of nostalgia play there. Um, and, yeah, you get given a Pokemon, you get to go on your island trial. They've removed Pokemon gyms, so uh, now you go to each island and do a set of trials before you can challenge the island Kahuna. Um, <laughs> nice. Who's like the best trainer on the island, then you move on to the next one. So it's, it's, it's a similar progression, but because they've got rid of gyms, they've tied it more into exploring the environment, and less and being less about like fighting one trainer with a particular type it's more about exploring Alola itself and uh, the Pokemon that are around there so it's got that sort of naturism feel to it uh, it's some really cool new monsters in it uh, The some of the original Pokemon the Kanto Pokemon that show up have new forms that are unique to the Alola region so um, I'm sure, I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, and I'm sure some of you have seen the uh, ridiculously long-necked Exeggutor. Um, <laughs> yeah. With a, yeah. with a face on its tail, and yeah. just, just like a the, palm tree um, with a body. The Doug Trio with long, flowing blonde hair. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, God. Rotata and Raticate are now dark types, as are Meowth and Persian, and they look and they have like cool darker redesigns. Except for Persian, who basically looks like Garfield, but grey, um, <laughs> which is weird. Uh, what else have we got? Oh yeah, Vulpix and Ninetales, Sandshrew and Sandslash are now all ice types, as as opposed to Fire and Ground types, respectively, because they've been redesigned. So like Vulpix is now like a snow fox. Um, new starters are really cool. I picked Rowlet. It's a grass uh, flying jewel type. It's basically an owl with a little leaf bow tie that evolves into a grumpy teenager owl with a complete with a full lock of hair over one eye. 
uh, <laughs> and eventually <laughs> evolves into an owl archer with um, a, a, a sort of feather hood and little leaf dangly bits that it closes the hood by pulling the dangly bits. <laughs> it's, oh, that's cute. It's full of cute animations. It's really lovely. It's really nice to design. It's 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 kind of fu- it's it's a great fucking Pokemon game, man. It's real fun. Um, if anyone out there, uh, if anyone else out there is playing, um, let me know. We'll exchange friend codes. We'll do some trading or battling or whatever. I'm always up for that. Um, but yeah, if you like Pokemon games, you got a 3ds. Go get yourself Pokemon Sun or Moon. They're real good. They're real, real good. And I recommend them. Really good. God damn it. You're tempting me back into that world, man. It's a dangerous it, slope it's for me. It's real good. It's real, real good. It's a real good day. It's a real good game. Uh, they, they, Push it real just, good. There's just so many little quality of life improvements that um, some of which came across in X and Y, but which which was the last set of games. But they developed even further to make it more um, more welcoming to new players and also encourage you to change up your team more. So you get any XP share really early on in the game, so all your Pokemon get experience whether they're in the battle or not uh, and it's not split out so you don't get a lump sum of experience which is then split out six ways every Pokemon gets the same amount of experience um, that's a nice touch get, actually yeah it's, it's, it, you, you, you spend less time grinding and you can level up weaker monsters a lot easier um, you get experience for catching Pokemon as well as beating them so you can still you can level up and catch at the same time um, you can uh, TMs are now infinite use. Okay, that's good. So they were in the, in the previous games. They have been <coughs> since black and white, actually. Um, so there's more encouragement to mess around with your move sets and experiment with things uh, more regularly. Uh, and also in this game, they've got rid of HMs. I suppose so if, if the TMs are permanent, then I suppose that makes more sense, doesn't it? Really. Well, yeah. Um, well, the problem was is that you had things like surf, cut, fly, all that, all that garbage, which you had to have like one Pokemon on your team that had all those moves, and it was you were losing a team slot to that just to get around the world. But now they've introduced this thing called the Ride Pager, so you when you get it, you can you can call up a Pokemon to do a specific action, and it's not even one you, you don't have to own that Pokemon. <coughs> oh, okay. So, so you could like rent them almost. Basically, yeah, so the first one you get is like a Tauros, uh, which which can charge through rocks and break them up. Um, so you, you literally, wherever you are in the world, as long as you're outside, you just call up a Tauros, and it'll appear, and you just ride on it. <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, you can't use them in battle, um, but you just um, you just call them up on it. Uh, so far, I've got four so far. So I've got a Tauros to ride around on and break rocks. I've got a Stoutland to ride around on and search for hidden items. Southland's like it's for a generation but it's like a big um big shaggy big shaggy Saint Bernard style dog. Um I've got a Lapras to surf with and I've got a Charizard to fly around on. Oh sweet. Um, so they replaced the <laughs> HMs entirely so you don't need surf anymore, you don't need fly anymore, you don't need cut anymore. All you need to do is, is call up your ride pager and and ride around on one of these Pokemon and you don't have to use up a team slot on a HM slave anymore which is really cool it's Ubermon um, now <laughs> it's Ubermon uh, slightly cheaper than Uber because they're free um, not ridiculously expensive like Uber I can imagine if they had surge pricing for, po- for ride pager Pokemon 
<laughs> all oh, our Charizards are busy right now unless you pay us <clears throat> £50. Pounds. <laughs> oh, God. That's all right. I'll just start a new poker email address and pretend it's a new account. Yes. <laughs> I'm so clever. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh. But yeah, that's enough about that. Go and play it and then we'll talk about it some more. We'll play Let it us know if you're playing, if you've started your Alola journey, because I love knowing out about Pokemon. And Chris doesn't play them because he's poor. Um, <laughs> poor at heart. Uh, it's poor true. Poor at heart. Right. Christopher, now because we've not recorded properly for a couple of weeks... We've got a real big bulging sack of questions to empty. Oh, a throbbing sack rolls. Yeah. So um, <laughs> we're going to get stuck into some questions, uh, replete with our uh, well-loved segment and <laughs> regular uh, uh, regular attraction for long-time listeners. Uh, Chris and Matt, two lifelong Desert Who fans, reluctantly answer Doctor Who questions. Um, I've been practicing that. Uh, first of all, also including our class reviews from our class correspondent Jacob Knowles, because uh, we still haven't caught up on it. <laughs> we still haven't seen um, any more of it. I'm really going to have to try and do that before next week. I'm really going to have to try and do that. Because uh, oh god, do you know there's a Blu-ray already up for pre-order? Oh god, do you know what's really sad about that? If you actually enjoy it, you don't need to buy it. It's on iPlayer. Oh god! For a year, you can watch as long as you want. That's what I'm going to do because I'm not buying it. <laughs> <laughs> not the quality they've been putting out. Jesus. Um, okay, so we're going to mop up first with a with a question from Jacob from a couple of weeks back that we didn't get to. Um, and yes, the first question is a reluctantly answered dot two question. So get your reluctant boots on. Oh, um, hello oh, again. Ah, hello, hello, Jacob. <laughs> Uh, in my least email, I oh, love your spelling, Jacob. love you, Jacob. Uh, in my least email, I forgot to ask you what your favourite intro slash theme was and a non-Doctor Who related question, which I'll get to in a second. Uh, so what's your favourite intro slash theme for Doctor Who? Um, I, do you know, 2005 makes me really happy, just that ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding. As soon as it kicks in, so I, I love that one. Um, but I've, I've also got a huge soft spot for McCoy's. Oh, McCoy's is terrible. It is, it is, because that's the thing. It's just them going, look, we've we've got all this technology. We've got CGI asteroids. Yeah, and they don't look great at all. No, they look bad, in fact. But there is something about the fact that they just went, fuck it, we're going to take you around space this time. Yeah. Look at space. And there's one bit I do genuinely think looks really cool, that slow reveal of, like, the orb with the TARDIS inside it. Like, I think think that looks quite cool. Um, cool's a strong word but then you get um, I, I CGI my titles now CGI titles are cool but yeah, like, oh y- God. Y- you get the whole like you know naff text like flipping over the camera and I do actually the really like the McCoy era logo what, the, the swishy doctor yeah, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I really like that um, how about you my, cakes? my favourite is the uh, Tom's first one Ah, with his beady little hawk-like face in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. Uh, and that that tunnel, that strangely yeah. organic-looking tunnel. <laughs> what, um, do you, what do you think of John? That season of John's where it's just a random full-body shot of him. Yeah, well, that's the it's the same title, isn't it? But they do yeah. a full-body John. It's, it's just really, really strange. Full-blown Pertwee. <laughs> 
Full um, uncut European hardcore X-rated Pertwee. So I quite I quite like that, actually. Um I quite like the the uh the eighties one, the so Tom's last season into Yeah, that is quite nice. Yeah. I, um, I hate the uh, remix he did of it for Colin. Yeah. But um the, the middle, Colin. The middle eight in the T V movie as well is gorgeous. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's a good that's a good use of middle eight with, with its Superman the movie style sort of um, credits, like the, the the individual credits sort of zooming into position and everything. Um, and I do I do kind of like the series seven Doctor Who titles as well, the Matt Smith one. Yeah, uh, where they sort of subtly put his face in that like nebula, and it's sort of blinking, you miss it. That always looked quite nice, apart from the yeah. very end with the doors open in a really ridiculously horrific shot. <laughs> um, like it looks disgusting at the end of the doors, but everything before that is amazing. Um, yeah, I, th- I think definitively like 2005, just because I get I get the good feelings whenever I hear that title sequence. Yeah, it's good. The the the, the, uh, the violins are real good. Yeah, with that weird silver with that weird silvery orange logo at the end. Oh yeah, yeah. That 2005 <laughs> logo. I'd quite like that logo. It's good. It's good logo. It gives good logo. They give good um, logo. <laughs> So, uh, next one, um, from Tom, Tom, whose full name I shall not reveal at risk of exposing your identity. Tom. Um, Hey, Chris and Matt. Hey, Tom. As a new viewer of the BDC and after watching 18, 19 and 20, I think I really like it. Huzzah. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks, Tom. I'm sorry it took us so long to get to your question. It's been a couple of weeks, but, uh, I hope you're still listening. Because if you're not, if you're not, if we've lost you, then huh. <laughs> um, I guess I, you, I guess you didn't really like it that much. If we've lost you, <laughs> I intended to send a message last week, but you asked for them on the day of the election, in which I was catching up on the hours I had missed with the night before from watching the election in terms of sleep. Well, that shows you how old this message is uh, and how <laughs> behind we are on questions. It's really great to have a consistent podcast that I can look forward to every week. Ah, oh, well, that's very, it's very kind of you, man. We're, we're glad to be there for you. I also really appreciate. The fact that you split up to podcast the podcast into sections with timestamps that I don't see on many podcasts, uh, yeah, we we we've seen that on other ones that were like we we've, we've nicked that idea because we quite like it. Yeah, um, it's just, it's just handy. I mean, you know, if, if there's a topic you're not interested interested in, you know, you can just jump ahead. Yeah. And if you, you know, if 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 there's a specific news story you're looking for a reaction to, then you can see where yeah. it is. And it helps yeah. it helps you avoid spoilers as well when if in case the spoilers come up. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'd also like to say that I'm a huge fan of both your similar laughs. I sometimes don't know who's laughing. Well, that's the mystery. Write we'll tell us, never get... tell. <laughs> Writing will tell us, and you'll get a no prize. Um, my opinions my opinions on class, pronounced with the silent cl. Uh, in general, after watching one of the first four episodes, are as follows. Firstly, what is with some of the episode titles? Corona of a Lonely Heart and Now Bravish Heart? Sounds more like a fucking poem. Also, am I the only one who's noticed that the only expression Ram's actor can achieve with his face is deep infuriation? I find it rather annoying. Maybe it's just me. This show is trying so hard to be sexy and relatable to teens with Sanya seemingly interested... With Tanya? Sanya? Tanya? With Tanya seemingly interested in sexual behaviour at the age of 14. Well, I don't think that's that out of... That's a pretty normal thing, right? Yeah, it's, um, ju- it's just not a comfortable thing to have. No, in, it's, in it's the uncomfortable drama. to watch on TV. But yeah, yeah I, probably, I haven't got to that part of the show yet because I've not caught up on it. But that's—it uh, sounds like they're going to handle it really badly. <clears throat> um, 
speaking of hashtag sexy, I feel like P-Ness is trying to get a sex scene in every episode. He also seems to be trying to Americanize the Hooniverse. That's been going on for a while. Uh, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if the currency in class turned out to be dollars. Ooh, I like your burn. Another criticism is the fact that Brian Cox has done a few Doctor Who-related things in his career, and in episode four, I remember in one of Miss Quill's lessons, you can hear them watching uh, one of his documentaries, Am I the Only One Who Sees This uh, as a Problem? Uh, I don't have a problem with that, because you do you get that all the time with people uh, who are exist in our universe, appear in a fictional universe where they're being acknowledged as existing and yeah, I know what you mean and I can see why it, it would wind you up but uh, it, it's more common than you might think. Yeah, because um, that's the thing, the problem with Doctor Who is you can always assume it's set in our world Yeah, and, until really sort of 2005 when they start to change like who the Prime Minister is and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah. When it, that's when it becomes a little tough to sort of go Oh, that's our world. That's the point we have to go. Oh, it's a world like ours. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. And I suppose kind of, a world like ours never... can have Brian Cox in it. And I Matt... think a world a world like ours should have Brian Cox in it. Both of them. Both the Brian Coxes. <laughs> they'll they'll eventually find a message from each other and they'll communicate. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be like. Um... Well, I don't want to spoil that. What well, I was going to spoil then. So they're going to be like something. Well, I, in a, a video game, what I played once. Um called Bioshock Infinite so you, you should if you know if you played that game you'll know what I'm talking about and if you haven't I'm not going to spoil it for you um, <laughs> overall I don't know if I can stomach an episode 5 and onward viewing as it is quite a painful watch both physically and mentally if you guys continue watching it then I might give it a go just to understand some of your conversations I promise you Tom I am going to continue watching it at some point yes um, I think I our think plan we... is to sort of do a post-mortem sometime in the new year so yeah, well, what does it finish? Is it going to be finished before Christmas? I think I think this weekend coming up is the last one. Okay, so we'll try and catch up, and then when you get back from your pantomime adventures, we'll try and do a post-mortem on it, I think. <laughs> Welcome home! Let's talk about <laughs> Welcome class. home! Let's di- dissect class. Um, <laughs> so my podcast questions are as follows, if you haven't already discussed these topics so far. Uh, have you caught up with Black Mirror Series 3 yet? Uh, no. No. We haven't. <laughs> if so, as a whole series, what are your top three favourites and top three least favourites. Well, we can uh, tell you our top two favourites. Uh, yes, I'll, we'll come back to that one, Tom, when we've caught up. Uh, I, I imagine we'll probably do some... When we've both got up on Black Mirror, we'll probably talk about that a bit more. Uh, my favourite of the series and my favourite Black Mirror as a whole was Shut Up and Dance. I've not seen that one, so... Uh, but I look forward to seeing it on your recommendation. I think that's the third uh, one, isn't it? That's the one that we've, we've both yet to dive into. Yeah, I think that is the next one. Yeah. Um, I find... That if I'm not depressed by the end of an episode, I don't consider it to be very good as an episode of Black Mirror, which is why the majority of Series 3 was brilliant. Oh, fair enough. Fair too, also, I, barometer. I'm sorry, Chris, but I have to disagree with you on Series 1's 15 million merits. I found it quite boring. How <gasps> dare you have your own opinion, Tom? That's <laughs> yeah. perfectly fine. How dare you have your own opinion? Get back on the treadmill and watch a lot of adverts. Yes. yes. Um, yeah, no, fair enough. Fair enough. Um... Yeah, cool. Uh, on the topic <laughs> of Netflix shows, I think one of you mentioned The Crown last week, which stars Matt Smith as Prince Philip. Have either of you seen it since then? Thoughts? I've, uh, seen, the, I have, I've seen the first episode. I have not seen it. I've seen the first one. It was it was on in the house, so I, I sat down and watched a big chunk of it. Uh, yes, yeah, all right. It's it's sort of it's in that weird Downton Abbey style, like fictionalized version of a real period of history. Um. Where it's it's playing it as sincerely as possible, but obviously it's romanticising certain things. Um, what I did like from what I saw was Matt Smith a lot. Um, 
and specifically John Lithgow as Churchill is really mm. good. Like, he's really good. They, you know the whole thing they used to say of, like, Churchill never stopped working, even when he was having a recreational time? So, yeah. obviously, the heat yeah, of the yeah. war, you're supposed to be all hands on deck. But that he's like, you know, no, I'm going to enjoy a drink. I'm going to have a long, hot bath. I'm going to do these things. But what he'd do is he'd go and have a shit, for example, and he'd ask whoever was having a meeting with him to come in. <laughs> so in the first episode, there's a bit where a, a young lady is, is reading sort of a mission statement to him under the door of his bathroom, which is en suite to his office, whilst he's having a massive bath and smoking a cigar. <laughs> and it's just, he plays it so well. Um, so yeah, I, I like what I've seen. I, I will, I'll probably sit down and box set it at some point, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. It's on my list. It's on my list. Uh, Tom it's- says, I binged the whole thing and I found it's been to be top notch and was engaged from the start definitely one to watch if you haven't uh, so yeah ja- Jar- you mate Jared, a... mate Jared Harris is in it he's pretty good in it oh love Jared Harris love Jared Harris <laughs> um, I do actually love Jared Harris and things um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you want to watch it a little bit more now don't you <laughs> yeah a little bit quite a lot in fact um, Doctor Who related questions from Tom I'm going to reluctantly read this Yes, I, I'm, I'm, I'm slipping on my reluctant pants now. Uh, just putting on my but, reluctant uh, um, girdle. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you think Class will get a second series? And if so, do you think it's possible that the stars of Class will show up on Doctor Who at some point? Hopefully the two stay separate, as if it matters. Just look at the state of Doctor Who at the moment. Bloody nardle. Um, no, I don't think it will get a second series. And no, I don't think they'll pop up on Doctor Who, because I think if it doesn't get a second series, they'll want to forget the whole thing ever happened. <clears throat> yeah, Which is I... a shame for the careers of the people in it. Because, you know, they don't deserve that kind of uh, treatment. No, I, I, think, better, really. I think the show itself will just be forgotten. I think it will be brushed under the rug. Um, because it doesn't appear to be making a, a, an impact culturally at all. Um, but I, I think, I, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be surprised if there was a series 10 episode of Doctor Who that tied into it in some way, if only because that's them either showing incredible confidence ahead of time that it was going to do really well, or because they were using it, they're using it to test the waters to maybe bring it back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, see, people like that episode, so we should do more with these characters, but no, I, I... I think ultimately, Canine and Company will be remembered more than the entirety of class. Canine. No. <laughs> no. Class was missing. Um, class was missing. Liz Sladen sipping wine whilst writing in a notebook. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> um, when Chibnall takes over from Moffat, do you think we will see a new companion, or do you think Moffat has left Asbill's storyline open at the end of Series 10? I quite miss having companions that last for just one series, and I feel like if Moffat doesn't kill her off by Series 11, she'll be a bit of a burden for Chris to deal with. Um, well, my thoughts on this are that I don't care about Bill, <laughs> so we'll... F- We'll see. As long as we get rid of Nardole. Uh, but, uh, the little bit of Bill I've seen, which is a tiny little bit of Bill, um, is just makes me go, uh, uh, she, she feels She feels very Moffat-y, and that, that yeah. alone doesn't inspire confidence in me personally. If I um, was Chris Chibnall coming into the show, I'd be like, okay, I want a fresh start on everything. So new Doctor, new companion. 
uh, no continuity from the last episode of the last series. Yes, of yeah, end end so. the Christmas special, um, the uh, the 2017 Christmas special with the regeneration, and then start series eleven, just flat out with Rose style. Here's a person. We're meeting this person. The Doctor gets involved. We're meeting the new Doctor. Do you know what I mean? Just clean slate. Clean slate it. Yeah, like the um, the war game spearhead break. Yes. Oh, God. Spearhead is still my favourite example of a, gener- of a regeneration, post-regeneration yeah. story. Yeah. It's just so good. <laughs> um, that's what I think they should do. Uh, the moral final question. and the slimy toad. <laughs> Uh, final question. In the wave. Yeah, sorry. Final question. Showering oh, personally. Final, final question from this uh, from this email. Anyway, uh, who is your favorite member of Linda in Love and Monsters, and <laughs> why? Uh, uh, I fucking mine's hate the, them all. Mine's the filating pavestone. All fuck off and die in the folds of the absorber off. I hate them all. I hate them all. Um, yeah, I think Elton's sweet enough. Uh, Simply because of his scenes with Jackie. I quite like him. I think he's a fucking um, idiot. Oh, yeah, he's an idiot. He's an absolute idiot. But his scenes with Jackie are sweet enough that I'm just sort of like, okay, you're a nice enough guy. Uh, I think the question should be this. Which one of them would you comfortably at least sort of have a cup of tea with? Uh, Elton, because we could talk about ELO. None of them, because they're all bellends. <laughs> Next question. Oh, it was the final question. Thanks, and I apologise for the length of the message. Tom. Don't apologise, Tom. Tom. Don't, Don't apologise. If anything, uh, thank yourself. Yeah, thank thank, thank yourself on behalf of us. Yeah, thank God for you. Oh, don't. We're going to get sued. <laughs> no, um, we won't. We'll break these chains of love. Uh, so Next one. Next yes. one. Next whoop, one. Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> Lewis Christian, whose oh! questions we may or may not endorse. Do you know, I'm in Lincoln, and I may or may not endorse them. <laughs> Hello, big damn class. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to be the title of the special. <laughs> I have some burning questions which I would like answering, if you please. Listen, if you've got something burning, you need to go to the doctor and get some cream. <laughs> Do either of you have any thoughts or any interest in Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, apart from J.K. Rowling just wanting to create her own cinematic universe cash cow? Um, you've reviewed it, I believe. <clears throat> yeah, I just look at a cheeky review uh, once I settled in Lincoln. Um, yeah, I I didn't care for it. Um, it. I wanted to watch a fun story where a wizard and a briefcase full of magical creatures were let loose on New York, and what I got instead was a sort of version of that where that apparently isn't the important plot, and the important plot is to do with wizard terrorism that we never see, but we're told about a lot. It's um, it's not yeah. it's not amazing. Um, things about it are amazing. Dan Fogel is incredible in it. Like, he's absolutely brilliant. Um, and visuals, like, the look of it is gorgeous. And Eddie Redmayne, uh, when he's not just being Matt Smith, is really good. Um, but it's just sort of eh for me um there wasn't a single dangerous creature either um like do you know what i mean there wasn't anything that was no they they were all misunderstood or easily sort of uh satiated there wasn't they didn't chuck in anything that we've seen before that we know to be kind of difficult which is a shame um yeah i i'm curious about fantastic beasts 
Um, I'm not in any hurry to see it, just because I can't be asked. Um, but it looks decent enough. I'll probably catch it at some point. Um, I've got no problem with J.K. Rowling making more wizard movies. If she wants to do that, it's her universe. She can do what she likes. Yeah, um, it, it does feel very really... much. It feels very much like Baby's first screenplay. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's not been written by a movie maker. It's been written by an author. So there is a lot of stuff that you feel is missing because it's not in the internal narration or the description. It's it's odd. It's it's, it's an odd. It's an oddity. But it's made a lot of people yes. happy, and I can't knock that really. Yes. Um, uh, yes. By so yes, that's all fine. Uh, that comes from our faithful listener, Captain Lewis Megabyte Modem Christian. And he does have another Doctor Who question there, but we're, it's a real big one. So, Lewis, we're going to come back to that one where we can dedicate more time to it because it's a great question and we want to get our teeth into it. So yes. thank you for sending it in. And we'll get to it on a future episode. That's, um, that's, that's, that's copyrighted. Quick one from Mitchell Radford. No Mitchell. hello, no goodbye, just a question. And I love you for that, Mitchell. Uh, you got in there, you got out again. <laughs> I, I like your work. Average um, Tuesday night, really. What do you guys think of the Logopolis regeneration? I personally love it. I love it as well. I do too, because it's so odd. And like, When you look at all of the regenerations, it stands out as the most bizarre it's really weird yeah it's like here's my future self and he's kind of a corpse zombie and he's gonna merge with me because I saw this coming Logopolis is a weird story like it's got this sort of melancholy funereal air over the whole thing it's just kind of uh moody in a really sort of overlit eighties way it's the first time Um, the show it's the first time the show sort of um metatextually acknowledges the pop popular culture's feelings on the show. And yeah. at this point, this point, the public's feelings on the show were, right, okay, you've recast him three times, and each time you've won us over, but no, seriously, you can't get rid of Tom. He's the best. He is the best. So it's really, it's sort of, it's sort of, quite rightly too, I think, it's all very sad and sort of like, oh, he's actually going to go at the end of this story, isn't he? Oh, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Um, and I like the fact that because he's the, I think they've confirmed since. Well, Matt Smith has sort of changed it now. The eleventh Doctor has changed it, but up to that point, I believe the fourth Doctor was his longest living incarnation. Because uh, that's the one where they jump from referring to like the five hundred year diary to him being nearly nine hundred. Um, and it's implied that between like Deadly Assassin and the start of Key to Time and stuff, like there many years have passed and everything. Yes. Um, yes. So, it, it's I kind of like the idea that it's like no, this this life is it's nearing its end. I've been waiting my turn for a very long time, and I know this is the day you meet your end. So I'm here to take my place. It's, it's proper spooky. It's like oh god, and then yeah. and then the weird gormless smiling face of Peter Davison emerges from the bubble wrap, <laughs> and it, it doesn't quite work so much in that last shot when he's no, it's a bit of a special effects fail there, but um, yeah. the intents there, I like that. Yeah, and that, when he's just stood, um, when he's just stood like on the motorway on the, on the on the hard shoulder and stuff, and it's just there behind a fence in the distance watching him. It's like oh, that's spooky. I like that. I like it a lot. Ugh. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. <laughs> um. So again, another again because we're we're gonna, we're gonna have a multiple emails uh, here because we're catching up from the last couple of weeks. We're running through our backlog. Uh, I know Tom, you sent in a revised version of the email we just read. Uh, so obviously, I'm not going to get to that this week. But thank you for sending that in again. Yeah. And I'm sorry we didn't get to it first time round. Uh, but we're clearing our backlog now, so we should be 
we should be there in time for next edition. We've just got uh, a few more, but I'm going to going to breeze through them nice and quickly. Um, before my class review, this is from Jacob again, sorry. Uh, I would like to take a minute to talk about fanatic beasts and where to find them. You are doing this on purpose now, Jacob, and I love you for it. I love it. I thought it fit well into the Harry Potter unitard. Uh, uh, it, was a lo- it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. If I had to rate it out of 10, I would give it an 8.5 out of 10. Yeah, fair enough. That's fine. That's so specific. What what edged you to what edged you the extra half point? Um, now for class, yay! I say very sarcastically. Uh, this is probably the second best episode we have had, and it, still it was boring. See, we, again, we haven't caught up on class, so we have no idea for the context of this. But I'm just relying on you, Jacob, to inform me what's going on in class, uh, and you do not let me down. Um, we are, however, many episodes in, and I feel like none of the characters are relatable. The most interesting thing that we discovered was that the alien prince, I think his name is Charlie. That's very telling. Uh, the alien prince, I think his name is Charlie, might have two knobs. I do think, however... <laughs> I do think, however, the meteor prisoner villain thing fit well into the class unitard. Uh, oh, I love that! I love the class unitard! Um... <laughs> I feel like the next time tra- trailers for the episode piqued my interest a little bit, but when I watched the episode, I completely let down. It is like when we watched the trailer of uh, Victory of the Daleks, we all thought it looked amazing, and we all know who that how that turned out. Um, I like Victory of the Daleks, um, so keep your mouth shut, Jacob. Um, <laughs> no, don't keep your mouth shut. Keep Ian Millen, because we like you. Uh, I quite like the concept of them having to confess something, uh, but that concept has already been used in Heaven Sent. Uh, oh yeah, I just remembered Ms. Quill got the thing out of her brain so she can shoot a gun now. That's exciting. I say sarcastically. Oh, uh, interesting. I might actually watch this now. In conclusion, I'd rather watch The Twin Dilemma or The Doctor, The Widow and The Wardrobe or Silver Nemesis. But then again, I quite like Silver Nemesis. Me too, Jacob. It's fucking terrible, but I quite like it. Um, every week, <laughs> then keep watching this tat. Uh, so yeah, damning review from Jacob there. Um, we really need to catch up on this so we can respond properly to you, Jacob. Uh <laughs> Uh, now for Doctor Who questions. What's your fondest Doctor Who experience slash memory? Um, oh gosh, fondest. Yeah. Um, uh, I think I think I, I don't know if much can top. There's two that come to mind. I don't think much can top them. One of them is 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 the Night of Rose going out because it was just such an amazing yeah. feeling to know we're about to watch new Doctor Who for the first time in years. Like that was cool. Um, but also, Day of the Doctor on first viewing is such a joyous thing. Yeah. On first viewing, Day of the Doctor was just like a giant present. It was amazing. Um, it's, it does suffer a bit from repeat viewings, but there's still some stuff in it that holds up every time, and it just makes me think back to that night watching it. How about you, Cockle? Um, I think... If I had... If I had to pick one, um, <laughs> I think it would probably be that first Christmas after the show came back because it was Christmas Day. I got the two 12-inch walkie-talkies of Chris hey. and the Sardine. I got both the battle packs, the Alley battle packs, one with the Doctor, one with Rose, and we sat full of Christmas dinner and watched the Christmas Invasion and had a great old time. It was a good day. Um, no, I've got lots of memories of just watching Doctor Who with me old man and uh, lots of long Sundays spent just watching Tom Baker's stories on VHS. 
uh, like how many Sundays have I pa- did I pass as a child watching Pyramids of Mars again? I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> so many. So Neil, Neil before the VHS copy of um, So yeah, just stuff, just stuff like that. Um, I've got loads of them. It, I, it's been a real good part of my life. So yeah, I've got plenty of them. Even when, even um, when we moan and complain about it, it's always something that can cheer us up instantly as well. I think. Yeah, too right, yeah. too right. Um, um, yeah. If you could, if you could meet any living doctor and companion, who would it be? Uh, I'm guessing the main actor then. If you're saying any living, um, yeah. I'd oh oh, I'd I'd love to just have a sit down with um, Chris Eccleston. Really? Yeah, me too. I think I'd like to go for a, a coffee slash beer and a chin wag with Chris Eccleston. Yeah, not necessarily about Doctor Who. I mean, I I wouldn't be able to stop yeah, myself. I'd, just, I'd have to bring it up. I'd be like, yeah, I'm curious. But, I've got to ask some questions, Chris. But, just because you know. I mean, we have sort of met him briefly yeah yeah a couple of times yeah, he, at, at our college. the, the, yeah. the theatre at our college was named after him so we came to open it um it was a couple of years after they'd been in doctor who yeah it was 2000 um, it was 2000 um early 2008 i believe he did the official opening yeah 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 because so, the, um, the eccleston had been open um uh what do you call it? it oh no don't tell a lie no it, it was it was it was just shortly before lame is so it would have been in 27 yeah. 2007 yeah it was yeah, it was it went in 2007 yeah because yeah, you, um, you guys had already so, been rehearsing in there and stuff but it was like yeah it was, yeah, it was yeah. just in time for the show of course because at that they said that his family were welcome to come to any show anytime they just had to you know let them know and they instantly get tickets and best seats and stuff and yeah. I, I think he managed to i think he managed while we were there to attend at least one show i can't remember which one it is but his his mum and dad always made it which was really yeah, sweet. Yeah, yeah. So that he's was really a, he's cool. A, from what, from the very brief interaction, well, I didn't, I didn't really interact with him directly. Just you know, he, he talked to us all. Really, um, he just seemed like a really lovely bloke. Yeah, uh, you know, but quite, you know, quite, you know, not a starry at all. Quite modest and normal, just you know, normal and down to earth. And I, I could just like, I'd like to spend time with that bloke. He seems, he seems really cool. Uh, in terms of companions. Um, I suppose. Oh, Chris, you you go first on this one. Oh, that's tough. Because the thing is, a lot of a lot of the companions I'd like to meet are sort of the classic ones, and I've either bumped into them at conventions or Doctor Who magazine stuff. I've sort of had I've had got to have a chat with them briefly and stuff. Because one I always someone I always wanted to meet as a kid was Sophie Aldred, and I've met her now, and she's bloody lovely. So it's like, yay! So yeah, if, yeah. if I've got to pick, like you know, pick someone new, I'd I'd love to sit down. Um, with Noel Clark and specifically chat with him about Doctor Who. Oh yeah, Noel Clark's a good bloke because, like, you know, he's he he's never he's never sort of acted like, oh no, yeah, that was just something stupid I did. He's always referred back to it as that thing he absolutely fucking loved being a part of, and was great in as well. He was That's smashing, like, like he was given a role that yeah. sort of was kind of, you know, kind of one dimensional. But by the second time you meet him, he's got more to chew, like more fat to chew. Yeah, and even even and, the start then, of it, yeah. you, you, you could see him trying to breathe some life into it, more mm, life mm. into it than was already there. Um, which is not really a criticism of the script because it was it was what well, it yeah. needed to be. Well, but Mickey's written, yeah, you know, Mickey's written in that first story as the um, boyfriend that would put someone off a bit and make them want to go away and travel the universe. Yeah. Um, so you know, yeah, no class, good shout. I think I would probably. Um, I think I'd probably like to. I don't know. I give a back rub to. 
No, that's just creepy and weird. Um, John Leeson. Oh, well, I suppose, if you'd like. Uh, No, I think... Either Karen Gillan or Arthur Darville, or both, if I could get them, would be probably a good laugh. Oh, I, do, um, do you know, I, I, let me guess, the reason why is just all those behind-the-scenes footage from 5 and 6 of, of yeah, those two yeah. and Matt just, like, having the best time. But also just because, like, um, Karen in an interview seems to be seems to be really fun, and, and, and Arthur Darville's, like, a big theatre guy as well, and I just think he'd be really interesting to just... Uh, hang out with and chat about. I, I bumped into him in a, in a toilet once, of all places. I, I, I had a wee standing next to Arthur Darville. Um, so that was pretty cool. Did it take? Also, did it take him a little too long to? Um, what's it? To to, to, to no. actually work up the courage? So you were like, oh no, no, are you the did, boy did, who waited? Hey? Oh, he didn't, no. didn't recognise me. Um, <laughs> I also I also got to tell David Tennant to please take his seat because the performance was about to start once when I, when I was about when I was working in the theatre. Yeah, uh, so that was pretty cool. Um, oh, yeah. David Tennant's lovely, and and served Peter Capaldi uh, hummus. Did you? Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, he had a, he, he was doing it was before he was cast as the Doctor, and it was when he was doing uh, or he just done Musketeers because he had the moustache. Ah, he had his weird little wispy goatee uh, moustache yeah, combo. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty cool. He's a cool guy. Is Peter Capaldi nice? Uh, so yeah, I've, I've kind of, when I was on the London, I coincidentally bumped into a couple of these people. But um, yeah, I think uh, Karen and Arthur would be cool people. Uh, <laughs> lots of questions on this one. Uh, what do you like of the Seventh Doctor's regeneration? I always thought it was a little undignified, <laughs> as he was such a happy but manipulative Doctor, and the scream that he screams before he regenerates is horrible. So, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, I have no thoughts on the Seventh Doctor's regeneration. Uh, the seventh Doctor's Janet Watts in being shot and yeah, yeah. Uh, I do you know what I liked it just because it wasn't formulaic. Yeah, it, it's and it, fine, and, it, and it's really sad. Like it's quite tragic, but it's also. I mean, the TV movie made the mistake really of trying to be a backdoor pilot and opening with a character who they expected you all to know. Yeah, uh, that yeah. was a mistake, but. If you're like, you know, just marathoning your Doctor Who, you watch Survival, then you take a break for a couple of nights and you pick it back up with the TV movie. It's quite cool that they have the balls to kill off the main character in the middle of a story instead of at the end. Like, do you know what I mean? You're never going to see yeah, regeneration yeah, yeah. in any other Doctor Who thing where it happens in the middle. Yeah. Um, and that alone sort of makes me kind of like it. Plus, it is sort of, it is sort of tragic. Like, he's killed by, by the species he adores more than any other who are trying to help him. Do you mm. know what I mean? It's, it's just sort of like, oh my God, yeah. this is really sad. And, and you know, and, and also it leads to some really fun interactions with Grace and the, the, the newly regenerated Doctor. When he sort of references Madame Butterfly and he starts pulling all the wires out of his chest. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's sort of... I, yeah, yeah. I do think it's quite cool just just because it happened. The fact that it does happen is really cool because it's upsetting and weird and sort of bold at the same time um it's, it's, it's better than six into seven put it that way <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's for that it's an actual regeneration uh with the original actor no it's fine it's fine i'll it, it's I, I haven't watched tv movie for so long that i don't really remember it or have any strong opinions on it but it's fine yeah it's all right um <laughs> least favorite companion oh uh clara Mm, yeah, Clara. Clara Oswald. 
Next question. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, favorite theme and intro. Uh, we've done that one. Uh, oh yeah, because of course we you hadn't answered that question at that time. Uh, favorite Lucy Miller and Nate thoughts or audio. Personally, for me, it would be the Human Resources, Blood of the Daleks, or To the Death and Lucy Miller. Um, I have not listened to any of them all the way through. So, Chris, this one's on you. Uh, I do enjoy Horror of Glam Rock. Um, I like that title. I don't yeah. know what it's about or oh. what it's like, but I fucking love that title. Well, keeping with the groovy titles, Zygon Who Fell to Earth is quite good as well. Hey! Um, but for me, it's not even... <laughs> my favourite isn't even, like, their best story. I just I just think it's such a daft idea, adapted really well and cast brilliantly. And it's, uh, it's Max Warp, which is essentially... They're on a planet where it's a TV station stuff, and it's it's basically Top Gear, <laughs> and it's parody. It's parodied beautifully. It's a murder mystery set within Top Gear, basically. That's um, pretty good. Like the, the 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 Richard Hammond sort of um, stand-in is murdered, is, is is killed in an accident, but it looks like it may have been set up. Um, so it's it's all that. But the best part is the Jeremy Clarkson characters played by Graham Garden, and he's brilliant in it he's absolutely <laughs> brilliant so it's just it's, it's it's sort of the one it's not the best one but it's just it's the one that I enjoy the most definitely because I'll just whack that one on and have a good laugh um, but yeah I also sort of like Brave New Town the autumn one's quite nice too um, and Human Resources is really good oh damn it I want to listen to them all again <laughs> Lucy Miller and To the Death are good as well well um, before you do Chris oh mince before you do listen to them all again um, well, let's, let's do some more Jacob questions. Breasts? Yes. Yeah. Um, cause we've got one more email from Jacob because we've, we're so behind. Uh, and then, <laughs> so we've got this one and then one more, not from Jacob, and then we're all caught up. Oh my god, I can't believe it. Okay. Um, hello my friends from Jacob. Hello, Jacob. Hola, Jacob. Um, Don't miss that. Uh, wasn't class good, I say, extremely sarcastically again for the third time in three weeks. At least it is over next week. Okay, so this one is the last class. Okay, so I have to catch up. Um, so let's get into it. It was just plainly and simply boring. I don't know if it was just me. Lots of people seem to like class, but I just like it's boring. Lots of people mm-hmm. seem to like class. Where are you getting Who are these people you, you're talking about that like class, Jacob? Uh, <laughs> introduce us to them so we can tell them they're wrong. Uh, I really didn't... <laughs> No, that's fine. You can like class if you want. I just don't understand why you do. Um, I really didn't buy the relationship between Quill and the black guy. I can't remember his name. Racist. It's a joke. <laughs> Jacob, you're not racist. Uh, class is boring and I, I'm so glad it's over next week. The episode was so pointless it didn't give any character development to any of the characters. What was the bloody point of the episode? Class is crap. A bit like this podcast. <laughs> just testing. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> crap! Seriously, look, I love this podcast and both brilliant wacky guys who love geeky stuff as much as I do. Thanks, Jacob. Um, it is a big highlight of my week. That's very kind of you, man. Thank you a lot. Bless your um, eyes. Now for Doctor Who question. Favourite Dalek story? Uh, Genesis. Uh, Dalek. Okay. Uh, yeah. What do you think of Doctor Who conventions if you have been to one? I have not been <clears> to a Doctor Who convention specifically. I did go to the weird Doctor Who Christmas party down in London back in the 90s when Gary Gillett was still editing... DWM, and it was sort of, but not quite a convention. Um, but I was, I'm, I can barely remember it now because I was quite young. Um, what about you, Chris? Uh, Have you ever been to a, I, like, specifically a Doctor Who convention? Or? I, I worked, yeah, I worked at the celebration, the 50th anniversary event at the XL. I, oh, I of did course the, you did. Of yeah, I worked. Did. The, I worked at the on the Vortex Challenge uh, family games area with Kevin Scott, 
Um, and we had a lot of laugh doing that. And I only really got, um, I only really got a couple brief instances to walk the floor. Um, but yeah, no, I, I went, I went with Lucy and Guy and we, we had a look at some of the costumes and props. They had like Torchwood props and, and, uh, Mr. Smith, like in the Sarah Jane attic rebuilt in, in one room and, and, uh, like, you know, Cybermen from like Earthshock and stuff. Uh, and I bought my, I bought my green coat from there as well. From uh, the Abbey Shop. Oh store. yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've been to that, and the best part was. <laughs> okay, this is sad. Because um, I went, obviously, I went. I was like the big finish uh, stall and stuff, and because I I'd worked on a Benny Summerfield story, uh, I saw Lisa Bowman, so we had a chat for a bit, and she introduced me very briefly to David Warner, and I was like, oh my god, hello. Um, <laughs> like, Hi, David Warner. You all right? Hi. Um, like wanting to obviously ask him about freaking Dr. P in the League of Gentlemen's Apocalypse instead of any of the actual <laughs> big serious dramatic credits he's got. Um, but we got, we got into a lift. We just finished, I think, the second to last Vortex Challenge of the day. So we were taken by the staff to the service lift, which was taking us up to the, the green rooms. And, um, we're in the lift. And in the lift was, oh, I keep, I, I can never say the actress's name right. Um, it's Ajoa Thingy, uh, 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 oh god, uh, Francine Smith, Martha's mum. Um, oh yeah, okay, yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was her, uh, oh god, I've forgotten her name as well, um, oh, terrible at this, uh, Donna Noble's mum, Sylvia Noble, the actress, um, Camille Kajuri, so Jackie Tyler, so basically the three mums from the first five years, uh, and John Leeson. I, I'm sure there's someone else there, but I remember that specifically because I remember thinking, it's all the companions' mums <laughs> like, in this lift. And John Leeson, who turned to my partner, took one look at the Tom Baker scarf of mine that she'd been minding for me, so it was like wound around her neck. And he just, <laughs> he just sort of looked at it and he went, I wonder how much wool over the years has been used specifically to make versions of that scarf. <laughs> And Lucy sort of went, Lucy sort of went, um, I imagine probably quite a lot. And he went, yes. No, but really, it must be a, an extraordinary amount. It really must be. And he just, he just seemed completely fascinated by the idea that just struck him of how many people had crocheted or knitted that scarf over the years. That's brilliant. I was like, bloody hell, John Leeson. Like, just get in, we're getting in the lift. We were, we were going obsessed with Cooper and you made it deep. You made it real I it. deep. I love it. Um, <laughs> uh, favorite Cyberman story, Christopher? Oh, uh, oh, um, probably Tomb of the Cybermen. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a, the biggest fan of the Cybermen because I, I don't, I like Superman. I don't feel that every writer really knows what to do with them. Oh yeah, that's, um, that's for damn sure. And aside from some problems that are part of just really the aging of society and culture since that story, yeah, Tomb is a pretty fucking great story. Yeah, that is really I, I good. Agree. I agree. Um, uh, first Doctor you watched? Remember watching? Uh, the first one I remember watching was the TV movie. Um, oh, going yeah, out. Course, yeah. yeah, we talked about that before, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. A TV movie and then uh, Spearhead on repeats shortly after. Yeah. <laughs> uh, first, I think, I can't remember which order they came in, but it was either a BBC repeat of Green Death or a BBC repeat of Pyramids of Mars. 
So it was either John or Tom. Because I remember watching them both, but I can't remember what order I watched them in. Either Big Maggots or Big Breasted Mummies. <laughs> yeah, one of the two. Might have been Pyramids, I think. Um, who is your doctor? Not necessarily favourite, just the doctor you grew up with, if that makes sense. Uh, Tom, for me, thanks to the magic of VHS. Yeah, if, if it's the one sort of you absorbed the most as you grew up, it's uh, John, for me. Yeah. 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 Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, how done are you with Stephen Moffat as head writer? I think, personally, I'm a 15 out of 10. Uh, I, oh. I agree if those five retroactively bounce backwards. Yeah. Yes, yeah. um, I, th- yeah, I think um, I think I was over. I think I was sort of over him as head writer by the time of of um, time and the Doctor. I was like, okay, there's so much I haven't enjoyed about this yeah, last couple yeah. of years. But if you go now, I doubt I will criticize it as much. Going, for- yeah, no, two years later, I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm enjoying it less and less. You need to go, Stephen. You need to go, and you are going. But we still got one more. Just series. not for a long time. <laughs> Just get out of it. Get out of it. Um, what was the first expanded let's, 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 let's clarify let's clarify he's a very talented writer he really is but as a showrunner I uh, just I don't think it's benefited the show he is getting he's, he is good as a writer there's no yeah. two ways about it um, but the reason that his stuff hasn't been landing for so long is that he's getting a bit high on his own supply he's uh, <laughs> he's definitely believing his own press and getting a bit wrapped up in his own uh, in, in his own strengths to the point where they're not strengths anymore. It's just naff. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, and final final question from Jacob this week, but not our final question. Uh, what was the first expanded Doctor Who Unitard material you read, listened to, watched? Can you please, please, Jacob, continue to misspell Universe's Unitard at least once an email because I fucking love it i think it's great <laughs> i apologize if you are actually like dyslexic or spelling trouble i'm not trying to take the mic i actually do really like do you think you miss my university unitard um it's it, it makes me smile um so what, yeah what was the first ex- uh, expanded universe material you read stuff listen to slash watch oh wow so it can't it can't be it can't be one of the televised stories then um no, it has, so has to be the, separate yeah the first doctor who thing you experienced that wasn't a tv story um can an ex- can an exhibit count? No, because oh, I was going to say it was the one at um, uh, the Welsh one, the one the it, Dapol factory. Yes, um, that's very good. It must be a piece of fiction. Okay. Uh, do, 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 do. I'm making that rule up, by the way. Jacob didn't specify. That's that. fair. That's, I think it's a fair. I believe rule. that is. The, I believe that is the spirit of the question. That's the dawning of the spirit of Jacob's question. I As think the king of this particular podcast, I think that's the spirit of the question. As the podcast king, as the podcast king. Ah, uh, hello, Jim. Uh, I think probably. Um, oh gosh, you know, I'm not entirely sure. I, I'm trying. Ah, oh, I don't think I read any of the Virgin New Adventures or anything like that before the revival. That was um, my first. It was a uh, time um, Exodus. Yeah. Oh, Virgin New Adventure. Oh. Oh, it would have been whatever comic strip was in the 30th anniversary issue of DWM. Not 30th, sorry, 40th anniversary issue. You know, the 2003 one with the, uh, the Doctor, uh, the Doctor Who with the 40 and the H and the O cover. Um, is that, oh, was that the one where it was, um, it was like the writer talking about Doctor Who being present in their life the whole time and it being like, I think it was supposed to be one of the companions and it was things like 
uh, like granddad coming back to life as a Cyberman and uh, <laughs> people turning out to be android invasion androids and things like that. I think it must have been. It must have been that one. Yeah, I, I have quite fond memories of that strip. If it's the one I think it is, because I, I remember the cover um, to the mag was it was mostly white all over, and it was the Doctor Who, the big blue TV movie Pertwee logo, but the H yeah. and the O sort of had the four four O like forty in them. Um, my dad's got that issue somewhere. Actually, I, what I need to do at some point is, is get together with my dad and, and bag and board. They're they're magazine size, so I need to get like magazine size. Uh, yeah, oh, we'll have to uh, we'll have to have a boxes. session because my neighbour my neighbour in Ealing yeah. as a parting gift gave me a box full of DWMs and, oh, and Doctor wow. and Doctor Who weeklies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but but apart from that, I guess it would have been in two thousand five. It would have been uh, the monsters inside from the first of the yeah the book yeah. the book range. Um, I read the, I read those first three. I haven't read any more of them, but I read those first three. What were the first three? It was Monsters Inside, um, Monsters Inside, uh, Clockwork Man, Clockwork Man, yeah, and. Uh, Winner takes all. Ah, yes, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Monsters Inside was the first one I read, and, and I, yeah. I must have read it because I think they released that first wave during the series, didn't they? Yeah, because yeah. I remember being so like amazed when I watched Boomtown that they were referencing that Rose references just to see her, and I was like, "That's from the book." Ah! And then they didn't do any of that stuff ever again. No. <laughs> so like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, yeah, mine was mine was Time of Exodus from the Virgin New Adventures. Um, I think I, I think I did I nick it from a library. You fiend! I think I did because it had that you know that those plastic dust jacket on. Oh yeah, like, it was a little paperback. But then I don't I don't think did I nick it? No, I kind of nicked it. Maybe I bought it because you know when sometimes when libraries just sell off their old books. Yeah, but it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been that old at that point. So, I don't know, but there, that was my first bit, um, followed by the, when my dad finally let me get my grubby mitts on his old DWMs, um, the Dave Gibbons strips, four thoughts of Dave Gibbons strips from the first few uh, issues of DWM, and uh, yeah. Croton and such, um, <laughs> with the with the with the Steve Dillon stuff, uh, yeah. not a lot far behind, so, um, but yeah, that was that. Now... We are running rather long. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we still haven't got to all of our questions. So we've got a couple of Twitter questions and uh, another email. But we're going to have to put them back to next week, guys. Bye, Jingo. So I apologise if you have written or tweeted us and we haven't got to your question. Uh, with Just with with Chris being off doing pantomime and me doing... Oh, no, uh, I'm not. Uh, all sorts of stuff. <laughs> oh, yes, you are. Um, it's just a bit hectic at the moment, but we will get to everyone in the end. We will endure. Uh, so again, once again, apologies if we've not got to you. We will do so. Um, but thanks, as always, for writing in and getting in touch with us. If you'd want to continue doing so, or you haven't done and you want to start it off because it's a it's an addictive <laughs> habit once you get used to it um then uh as always big damn contact at gmail.com or at big damn cast on twitter Twitter for the mind um, if you're listening on itunes please 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 mm. head over to the page and leave us a review and rating um it would we would very much appreciate it uh, all feedback is appreciated, regardless of whether it's positive or negative. Yeah. If we're doing something wrong, we can't get it right. 
unless you tell us we're doing it wrong. Um, but if you'd like to blow smoke up our ass, that's also good. Ooh, um, which is easy because hey, we do these podcasts naked, which may be something that we're doing wrong, but it feels so right. It just it does feel very very right. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening to this week's big damn cast. I have been big damn Matt. I have been big damn Christ. And now we go to space. Dun 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 dun. That's gonna be the Star Trek Discovery thing. Ah, just Suggs walking across the screen. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> With the both load of Romulans following him down the street into a starfield, <laughs> like the old grey whistle test. Yeah. <laughs> oh.